Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to Wollongong Servos on this lovely Sunday morning. Uh, although the weather is not as lovely as I had hoped, uh, it is great to see you all here this morning. Um, and a big welcome also to everyone who is watching online. I am very excited to be bringing you the message this morning. Uh, it's actually my first time preaching here in front of a room of actual people, uh, so it's great to see so many friendly faces here today. How many of you here can remember what your first job was? A few hands, yeah? For some, a little longer. For some, it's quite recent. I remember when I turned 14 and I was ready to enter into the workforce for the first time. I googled a resume template and created my resume on Word. And then I went around to my local shopping centre, handing out my resume. I wore my most formal clothes and I tried my best to appear as professional as possible. Now, at 14, I didn't have any qualifications. I was still in high school. So, my resume consisted of various awards that I had won at school and some volunteer work that I had done. <coughs> but nothing of substance. Nothing that said, I am employable. But I was lucky enough that I got an interview at Muffin Break and they took a chance on me and I got my first job. I quickly learnt the importance of a resume. And not even just a resume, but a good resume. We eventually learnt in school how to design a good resume when everyone else was ready to go out and get their first jobs. And because we had been shown what to put in our resume, they appeared a lot more professional than my template on Word that I had created earlier. So for the sake of today's message, I went to Google to see just exactly what a good resume should include. And I found that a resume is a formal document that a job applicant creates to itemise his or her qualifications for a position. A resume is usually accompanied by a customised cover letter which is, which, sorry, in which the applicant expresses an interest to a specific job or company and draws attention to the most relevant specifics on the resume. Now, the part that stands out for me in this list is the qualifications that are needed for a position, or better known as job qualifications. If we want to have a certain job or profession, we need to have the qualifications required. Could you imagine if a doctor or a lawyer didn't need to prove they had the qualifications for the job? It would be utter mayhem. We'd have people running around as though they're on Grey's Anatomy or Suits. And as we get older and the big wild world is looming, we get concerned about getting that piece of paper to prove that we are skilled in a particular job because at the end of the day, we need a job to survive. To do God's work, however, we don't need a qualification. God doesn't say, we need a Bachelor of Theology to do his work here on earth. There are no requirements, no hoops to jump through. He accepts anyone and everyone who is willing to do his work. And when we look at the Bible and the different stories within it, we see that the people that he chose could be seen as the most unqualified people for the job. 
The 12 disciples are a prime example. I have been reading through the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality book written by Peter Cazero. And in one of the chapters, he introduced the idea that even the disciples who were handpicked by Jesus may not have been qualified for the job. Peter, who was seen as the leader, had trouble controlling his words. Andrew was quiet. James and John were nicknamed Sons of Thunder as they had quite the temper. Philip was negative. Nathaniel was prejudiced. Matthew was the most hated man in Capernaum. Thomas was pessimistic. James and Judas were considered nobodies. Simon was a freedom fighter. Now second Jesus, Judas, sorry, was a thief. Whilst all these can be seen as not necessarily desirable qualities, they're all human qualities. And I can put my hand up and say, I wouldn't list my bad qualities on my resume. Who here can agree with me on that? Who puts their bad qualities on their resume? Yeah, yeah, no one, good, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> so when I was thinking about the people in the Bible who felt that they weren't qualified for the task that God had set them, I thought of Moses. This is a great point to explore a little bit about who Moses was. You may be familiar with the story of Moses. Uh, it's told early on in Exodus chapter 2. A man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Now, she was able to conceal and hide him for three months. However, after that time passed, she found herself unable to hide him. So the woman got a papyrus basket. She coated it in tar and pitch and placed the baby in the basket. She then took the basket and placed it in the reeds on the bank of the Nile River. The story continues that the daughter of the pharaoh at the time went to the Nile River to have her bath. And as she was walking along the bank, she saw the basket and she commanded her female slave to come and fetch the basket to see what was inside. And when she opened it, she found a baby boy that was crying. Now, the daughter felt sorry for the baby, and in verse 6 it reads, This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to the Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. What an incredible story. Moses went on to be a Hebrew prophet, a teacher, and a leader. And when I was doing some research about Moses, I found a very interesting fact, well, which will be critical to my message later on, but Moses had a speech defect. And the story of Moses told in Exodus, and today we're going to focus on Exodus chapter 4, um, but I thought we would quickly recap chapter 3 so we have a little bit of context and background knowledge. 
Chapter 3 is more commonly known as Moses and the Burning Bush. The story begins as Moses is shepherding his father-in-law, Jethro's sheep, in the land of Midian, when he sees a burning bush on Mount Horeb. As Moses approaches the bush, the voice of God calls out to him, telling him to remove his sandals in the presence of the holy ground. God explains to Moses, he has a plan for him to save the Israelites from slavery in Egypt and lead them to the promised land of Canaan. Moses is doubtful in his ability to do this at first and asks God, who should he tell the Israelites has sent him? God answers with the famous line, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. We then begin chapter four, as we heard read this morning, and it opens with Moses saying to God, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Moses was a simple man. His resume was not full of qualifications and accolades that made him feel as though he was worthy and capable of completing the task that God had for him. But God knew that Moses was the one for the job. He wasn't worried about a piece of paper or a glowing reference. He was worried about Moses and his heart and his intentions. God knew that Moses was feeling this way. And the story goes on to say that God said, what is in your hand? Moses replied, a staff. God commanded Moses to throw it on the ground and when the staff hit the ground, it turned into a snake. And of course, as anyone would do, Moses ran from the snake. God said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Now we can imagine at this point, Moses is freaking out just a little bit. But he did as the Lord said and he reached out and he took hold of the snake. And as soon as Moses touched the snake, it turned back into a staff. God said, this is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. God then said to Moses, put your hand inside your cloak. I'm imagining at this point that what happened last time when God told Moses to touch something, he was feeling a bit uneasy about what was going to happen next. But Moses, ever the faithful servant, put his hand in his cloak. As he removed his hand, he looked to see that the skin on his hand was leprous. It was white as snow. Once again, God commanded Moses to put his hand back inside his cloak and once again, Moses obeyed. When he took his hand out of his cloak, it was restored to the same as the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. 
And now the focus of today is Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 to 13. And I'm just going to read it again for you, even though we heard it this morning. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slob of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and you will teach what you say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. And as we circle back to earlier in the message, we learned that Moses had a speech defect, which Moses explains in these verses. He says that he is slow of speech and tongue. And in these times, slow of speech and tongue literally meant heavy of mouth. And this statement of Moses saying to God, I can't speak well. This is a key element of the story and more importantly, the overall message of today. There are two elements to this and the fact that we see in Acts chapter 7 verses 22 is that Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. This education occurred 40 years before the story in Exodus that we're looking at today. And between these 40 years, Moses spoke only to his sheep. And we can assume that due to this lack of human conversation, that he had lost his skill. Or should I say, he had lost his confidence in his skill. God had blessed him with the ability, and over time, it faded away from lack of use. Moses had lost all his self-confidence, but we all know that Moses only needed the confidence that God had in him. And we know that this is true because God responds to the excuse that Moses makes. And an interesting part is that God says, who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? What Moses doesn't realise is that his perceived inadequacies don't matter to God. Even if Moses was a poor speaker, which we have established he most likely wasn't, God would still use him. Our God is mighty. God is sufficient for us, no matter what we feel our inadequacies are, and they can be real or imagined. We can see in these verses that Moses is so sure that he isn't the right man for the job. But knowing the might of God, Moses should know that God has not made a mistake in choosing him. So how does the story of Moses relate to us today? I think it's fair to say that at times we feel a calling, but worry we're not the right person for the job. But what I want the key takeaway from today to be is that God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And I want to encourage anyone who is hearing this message today, 
If you feel like God is calling you to something in your life, you can do it. There can be many reasons why when we hear God's call, we hesitate. Initially, we feel that urge of God's spirit for us to make a bold step, to take a risk, to serve others, to save a life or to commit. Yet more often than not, we hold back. This often comes down to one primary reason. We don't feel qualified. We think we lack the skills, the strength, the wisdom, the experience or the education. We don't think our resume is impressive enough. We feel like Moses in Exodus 4, chapters, chapter 4, verses 10 to 13, when from out of the burning bush God called to Moses and answered, Pardon your servant, Lord, I have never been eloquent. I am slow of speech and tongue. Please send someone else. He was saying, Not me, God. I'm afraid. I'm unqualified. And not long ago, that is exactly how I responded. I was afraid and resisting the call. But just as God gave Moses exactly what he needed to accomplish great things, he will equip us all in the same way. God is not looking at our resume. He isn't looking at our references and our accomplishments. He's looking at our hearts. I wanted to finish today's message with my favourite verse in scripture, which I think really applies to what we've been talking about here today. It's Jeremiah 29, 11, And it reads, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So I encourage you, go into this week feeling empowered knowing that God has a special calling for you. He knows each of us by name. He has a plan for us all. Our God is mighty and good. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And as I close today, I ask that you join me in prayer. Dear Lord, we are so blessed to call you our Father. Your unconditional love astounds me each day. Lord, I thank you for everyone in this room, for everyone watching at home, and everyone around the world, because you know each of us by name, and you have given us each a role to play. We have been given gifts by you, and Lord, today I pray that we all use these gifts to do your work on earth. Thank you that we don't need a piece of paper to do that. Help us all to go out into the world sharing your love and word with all the people that we meet. Amen. Have a great week and God bless.